0: do you know about the world? Would you steal a shark using a baby stroller? Welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor Jay Dylan Proctor, but I'm not alone here in Chord Purgatory. With me is Anthony Alegria. Yep, and I'm sure we're also all happy to be
1: born again, but I'm especially happy that our computer is born again.
0: Yes, and of course what he's talking about is our hard drive and the computer crashed a couple of weeks ago because it had the horrible caveman technology of an actual HDD, but now it's upgraded to a nice solid state drive and it is much, much better. It certainly breathes new life and transformation into that computer. However, Anthony is not alone with me. Another one is with us, and that is my father, Pastor Mike Proctor, who is sitting in for Amanda Sparrow.
2: Hey, glad to be here. I'm here to... Uh... Comment on the animals
0: today. Yeah, we have a lot of animals and monsters, and on that, what are we going to be talking about in podcast number 62, Anthony? I know we've got quite a program put together. Well, we're going to start with some interesting articles,
1: including a shark stolen by a thief using a baby stroller, mind you, graduation photos with a shark, and a python and a pigeon. In our general knowledge segment, we will discuss a new sphinx found in Egypt and the role of humility. For our devotional, we will talk about Samson and fake loves. And in Hot Not or Sanctified, we will discuss a cat and a croc and some interesting biblical themes.
0: Yeah, so let's get right into this. The first article we're going to talk about is a stolen shark. And if you are listening to the podcast, we do have some video footage to go with this. But again, we're going to talk about it so you can enjoy it all the same. So basically what happened, and this article is from Sky News, is there was a man in San Antonio, Texas, who stole a shark. And of course, he's an animal rights activist. So the article is titled, Man Accused of Stealing Shark from Aquarium While He Says He Was Concerned for Its Welfare. And this is just absolutely amazing. And the reporter for this is Bethan Staten. And again, this is from Sky News. So recently, a man stole a shark from a Texas aquarium using a baby stroller. And this is just absolutely amazing. It wasn't a big shark. It was like a 16-inch long shark. So it's not a massive great white shark or anything like that. But in this footage, basically what the dude does is he rolls in with the baby stroller. He goes over to the tank where the shark's at. It's one of those tanks where you can go into the aquarium. You can pet the, the little sea creatures. This dude slips in there. He snatches that shark up out of the water and takes it like one might take a baby or a child and puts it in a stroller and just carts it right on out. And this is absolutely amazing. He was caught completely on CCTV. He takes the shark out to his truck, puts it in the back, and takes it home. What is absolutely amazing is this man pulled this off. No one stopped him. No one in the public stopped this man from doing this. The people at the aquarium, they didn't stop him from it. And he actually got the shark home and had it there for a while before the police eventually caught up with him. So absolutely amazing. This is another example of activists. They have no self-doubt at all. None. Well, here's some
1: some extra, like, icing for the cake. Dude has, like, 25 sharks at his home. Yes. Right? Like, what is he going to do with this extra other shark? It's well, that's just... the thing.
0: He has no doubt. It doesn't matter if he has a plan or not because he must liberate them. Well, after he was arrested, he did say that he was regretful. However, he said his behavior was entirely justifiable because it was a, quote, emergency, end quote, for the sea creature's life. The man said, quote, I have a mission, end quote. It's not a mission to steal for profit, but a mission to give the fish better health. Because nothing says better health like being taken from an aquarium, carted home in a baby stroller, and then put in this man's house. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing.
1: I mean, you know, talk about a fish out of water there for a minute, too. Ah,
0: so. uh, yes. Clever. Clever, I'm clever. I'm here
2: to give uh, commentary for the, the animals. I, I can actually say that the, uh, the shark was saying water, 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 water. Uh, talk about living conditions going from bad to, to worse, obviously. Uh, it, and if you look at the video, it doesn't seem like he's in a hurry either. So, uh, I don't know. This is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is. And you find this a lot. There are a lot of people who are animal rights activists who, they get upset about like a dog being on a chain or animals in any sort of living condition other than the ones that they specify. It's always interesting. They somehow get an exemption. They want dogs to be in tiny little kennels all day long, or at least most of the day. They may have an hour or so outside playing, but they don't like the dogs to be where they can move a lot. Mm. It's it's okay if we take and put it in a small cooped up thing um, at a shelter, as long as it's One that is activist approved is one of those things. And it really is just extraordinary. But it reminds us that there is a healthy role of doubt. We're going to talk about Mark chapter 9 here in a moment and the role of doubt. This guy totally doesn't have doubt. He thinks he is entirely justified. Well, let's move on to the next article. And earlier, we had said it was a graduation photo with a shark. It's actually with a gator. Uh, Forgive me for putting the show map together. We messed that up a little bit. Uh, but all the same, you get the same sort of theme here. We've got a lot of animals and monsters mm. and things today. It's a lot of fun. It always b- shocks me that you have so many people who are fiction writers that come up with like new monsters when the world is already filled with so many amazing creatures. Like You look at things like Pokemon and they have all these bizarre things they come up with when actual nature is filled with bizarre things like what's more bizarre than a platypus or even a croc or a gator. So here we have another article for you also from Sky News. And if you look here, there is a girl who was graduating at Texas A&M and she had her graduation photos made with a crocodile. And this also is just absolutely amazing. We've got her gradu- graduation photos to share with you. Um, you can even see a picture of her. She's got a ring placed right on the snout of the of the, the gator. And it's just absolutely amazing. Um, so this is this is also what the world looks like with a, a healthy roll of doubt. Um, we actually have a little bit different opinions on this. I actually think it's pretty awesome that she did this. Um, Dad, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I think that, you know, for the from the gator's
2: uh, point of view, he's, he's sitting there thinking, you know, there are engineers who can put a man or a woman on the moon, and they are very intelligent, but they can't cross the street without getting run over and d- just lack all kinds of common sense. This young lady must be a genius because I think she's got uh, good intellect somewhere because she doesn't have the
0: common sense not to pet a gator on the nose. Well, she does have the gator trained. It'll come to her for food. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that means it's coming to have her as the food or she has other things she gives it for (laughs) food. There's always a funny way to interpret those things, but I don't know. I think it's pretty neat. Anthony? Well, uh, I think
1: within the article it says that she had volunteered – with this alligator before. So it kind of seems like maybe that's where she's going to go as like an employment option. But unless I was using this to like mad advertise to my employers that I was capable of dealing with animals, I have no, I would never like have any imaginative reason to
0: pose with such an animal. With a gator? But <laughs> well, she's graduation. she's got it all there, I guess. All right, moving on to our next article, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap all this up and talk about doubt and why these articles have to do with doubt. The next one is about a pigeon and a python. And unfortunately, this isn't a story like the tortoise and the hare where they're kind of competing and then the unexpected victories and things of that nature. Uh, this is pretty much just nature at its finest. A python manages to get a hold of a, a pigeon and well, nature unfolds. A uh, boa constrictor has been apparently pictured apparently eating a pigeon in East London. So this was originally Taken by uh, I believe Dave Falbert of the Shortlist magazine, and he had captioned the thing, the photo here saying "Just a pigeon," or "Just a python eating a pigeon," on Leightonstone High Road. Hashtag London life. So just chilling out there on the sidewalk. This snake's got his his life together. You always get like the street food vendors. Maybe that's the same thing <laughs> going on for the python. It's just like a pigeon vendor for him to go over there and pick up a pigeon with. I don't know. Y'all have any thoughts on this? How would you react if you seen a pigeon eating a python just outside on the street?
1: Okay, well, in the wild, all right, yeah, like, that'd be cool. I'd be like, all right, cool. I get to watch this snake doing its thing in nature. But in, like, you know, in the city on the side of the street, that would be crazy, honestly. I'd be like, why, what on earth is that python doing here? You know, like, totally
0: bizarre. It truly is the concrete jungle. Now, We bring all these up to talk about the healthy role of doubt. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, there's an account of a man bringing his possessed son to Jesus. And he asks Jesus to come and, well, help the child. Please, please help this this son of mine. And he makes this famous statement to Jesus where he says, I believe, help my unbelief. And this truly is the healthy form of doubt. It's also the healthy form of humility that says, look, I recognize my place in creation. However, I'm not just low self-esteem or just wallowing here in pity. I recognize my place and I'm pursuing something better. I'm pursuing something higher. I am out to discover something new, and I'm out to deal with the world in a rational and orderly way in such a way that helps those around me. The statement I believe, helped my unbelief, is unmistakably a healthy form of doubt. And when we look at these three stories here, especially the one with the alligator, does y'all see any evidence of doubt with this thief who steals the, or excuse me, not the alligator, he stole a shark? Is there any doubt in this man's life who stole the shark? None. None. Doesn't look like there's any. He just does whatever he wants. Yeah, just do it. Anthony?
2: I will say, if you,
1: at the end of the article it says that in an interview he said that if he felt that he needed to steal a shark again, he would. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> That is purely doubtless. It's awesome how doubtless that is. It's
0: one of the things which I find to be really fascinating. As a pastor here in the Church of the Nazarene, I find that the most doubtless people in the world are activists. They're usually political activists, environmental activists, or vegans or something like that. These people have zero doubt in their worldview. To contrast, and I'll let Dad tell me what his thoughts are on this, the people I find who have the most doubt in life are not just Christians, but they're also people who have responsibility. In other words, people who they've got someone that they're taking care of. Maybe it's a person taking care of their mother, or perhaps it's a, a parent with children. But it seems to be people who have responsibilities and caretakers, they seem to have the healthiest understanding of doubt, where you get the, the political activists who have the worst understanding of doubt.
2: Yeah, yeah extremely uh, from one end to the other, and obviously you can see which one's doing good and which one uh, is not doing any good. But uh, if you want to look at that same uh, video, and I'm, I'm here to give uh, commentary or comments for the animals, if anyone has any doubts here, it is definitely the shark um, who's been taken out of the water.
0: <laughs> yes, I think so. Well, continuing this trend, what about um, the gator? How do you think the gator feels about this girl taking photos with him? Does he have any doubt about this? Oh, he's he's no has no doubt uh,
2: that he's going to probably get a treat because I think he's been manipulated but uh, for me I'm like what why not he's just gonna use get a treat one part? way or another oh he's gonna get a treat yeah one and, way uh, or another he's getting a treat yeah. he, I you know I'm not sure he's not at the top of the food chain on this picture but at the same time i I, I don't know I just I'm almost in such shock of Uh, You know, there needs to be a healthy form of doubt
0: there, I think. And and there's a little bit missing there um, with that. Yeah. Well, I will say this. The gator really doesn't have a worst-case scenario for him unless somebody ends up, like, shooting and killing him. But most likely, you know, he eats the girl, gets a treat. She gives him a treat, he gets a treat. Works out for him just about anyway. The python definitely doesn't have any doubt about his life. He's got it all sorted out. You would think living in the city would be bad for a python, but well, he gets nice, fresh pigeon. I guess the pigeon probably has some doubt, it's probably made some bad choices in life to land there. Absolutely. I mean, uh,
2: they yeah, they do studies on uh, using pigeons to uh, recognize and group things in, of different shapes, colors, and stuff. And of course, those snakes are one of those things they stay away from, um, and in this case, it was just a bad decision. Yes,
0: it was a bad decision. All right, well, we're going to wrap up this segment here, and we'll be back to talk about a new sphinx found in Egypt. Today, we're going to talk about a new sphinx found in Egypt here in our general knowledge segment. And we're also going to talk about the appropriate role of humility. And you might ask, what in the world do these two things have to do with one another? Well, you see, a lot of times people would never think that something like a a great structure like a sphinx or even a pyramid or some other important archeological site could ever be discovered because we have got to the point where we think that we have a big enough knowledge about the world and creation that there could never be anything which we have not already uncovered. But a healthy role of humility says there's more things to discover, there's more things to find. So let's talk about this newly discovered sphinx. So this has happened here very recent. And it has happened in Egypt near the Valley of the Kings. And we have an article we'd like to share with you from The Sun. The title of this article is, New Ancient Egyptian Sphinx Found Buried Near the Valley of the Kings in Bombshell Discovery. And this is an article by John Rogers and Charlie Parker. Now, this Sphinx, it's possibly more than 4,000 years old. And it was discovered while workmen were building a road in Egypt. They were working on a road between the ancient temples of Karnak and Luxor. And they halted after a large statue was discovered. And, of course, the statue had a lion's body and a human head. Of course, that is, unmistakably, the characteristics of a sphinx. Now, if you're not familiar with the sphinx, they are essentially as described there being a lion's body with a human head. But there's a little bit more to that. In different ancient cultures around the world, they often have sphinxes. In literature that you find in ancient worlds, they're usually some sort of plot device that may be a bad omen of something to come. But it really varies from time to time. But unmistakably, the Sphinx is something which has significance in a lot of ancient cultures, and they are something of great importance. So as to finding one out there, just finding another Sphinx is no small thing to just laugh at and brush aside. It's actually a a pretty big discovery. Now, this relic, it could date as far back as 2500 B.C. from the reign of Pharaoh Khafre. And it really is something which is quite interesting. It's not too far from the Great Pyramids and the Valley of the Kings, as we stated earlier. And of course, the Great Sphinx that we're familiar with is somewhere around sixty foot, 66 foot tall. And we're not exactly sure about the size of this one. And again, in the coming weeks, we'll learn more about it. So this really is a very important thing for us to discover. And we should now talk about humility and tie all this together, because you may say, why are you talking about humility? And what does this have to do with a, a Sphinx? Well, there are a couple of points. That I'd like to make. There are many people in our world who would say, again, it's impossible for us to have such a large structure out there in existence that we haven't already discovered. And that's not a good form of humility. There are also a lot of people who say, well, humility means intentional low self esteem or something to that effect. But in reality, humility should be something which challenges us to learn more about creation, to purposefully want to know more. A good understanding of humility is a recognition of our position. Anthony, I know you had mentioned earlier that it was a little bit shocking to you that such a thing would would exist without our our knowledge of it.
1: Yes, certainly. And I mean, especially,
0: you know, we grew up, we're
1: thinking there's only one of the kind, big gigantic sphinx. There's no way any other variation could exist, at least, you know, that large of one. And here we are stumbling upon this gigantic mound in the desert that's turning out to be a Sphinx. You know what I mean? So like, um, that is insane. And what kind of just blows my mind is that just how just with how ancient these things are, there's so much more room for crazy discoveries and just like some maybe there's the possibility that there's a ton of things that we will never even be able to discover because like this Sphinx that's being discovered, they've just deteriorated away. You know? Yeah,
0: and that's that's why we need a healthy role of humility or at least a healthy understanding of the role of humility. Humility should remind us of our place in creation, that there is more things to discover, there are more things for us to go out and look for, and when we find them, we should be ready to bring reason and critical thinking to new discoveries so that we can enhance our knowledge. There are bad forms of humility that exist, and there are people who say, well, oh, if I'm humble, then I'm going to have this woe is me mentality and have this sort of self-inflicted low self-esteem that really produces bad results. But also there are bad forms of humility where people say, well, I I don't need it at all. And we find people like those in Hollywood who they put together movie sets and they bury a sphinx from one of their movies. And then about a hundred years later, they go out and try to uncover it. And they think that it's as important as is something from actually ancient Egypt. And of course, I'm referencing right now that in the 1920s, there was a Ten Commandments film. And... Of course, there's been several Ten Commandments films, but one from the 1920s. They had made some, some sphinx, I think they were plaster or something like that. They got buried in the desert. And about a year ago, uh, we actually covered this story where they had actually put together an archaeological team and they went out there and they were having these excavations and digs to uncover basically a, a movie prop that was close to 100 years old. And they were treating this as if it was as the same relevance as an actual sphinx in Egypt. And there was just really no self-awareness there. So let's talk a little bit about good humility and read from 1 Peter chapter 5 real quick.
1: Likewise, you who are younger be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you.
0: All right, so a couple of points real quick. One Humility should actually encourage you to look, go out and discover more and to learn more. It should not be something which is a hindrance. Also, this is another place where English does us a little bit of a disservice here because a lot of times people say, well, oh, it's bad to be proud. And, you know, I have a child who went and played in a soccer game. I can't be proud of them. That's not at all what this is saying. This is really the concept of haltiness where you are, are self-important and you don't understand your place in the world. That is what is bad. If you're, you're proud of your children and things of that nature, that's, those are good examples of that. However, we're here to talk about humility today. And again, this selection from 1 Peter reminds us of the importance of proper humility because it moves us towards something greater. Humility should not be something that hinders us. Instead, it should be something that reminds us of our our point and position in God's creation. Instead of hindering us, it should be a moment of acknowledging our place and pursuing us towards the transformation of Christ Jesus and becoming more and more like Christ. Anthony. Um, another thing too, uh, you've brought
1: up a lot concerning like, you know, the intellectual field, but I will say that this ideology concerning humility applies to, I mean, pretty much any, uh, area that you would like to, you know, whether or not it's, um, how you're doing in school or something else like that, or how you're doing in your workplace, this ideology of humility of bettering yourself because of that humility
0: applies to all of those. Yeah, and especially in something like a new Sphinx, we should realize that such a thing is out there. Don't be resistant towards it, but but see what we can do. Bring the reason, critical thinking to the table and see what we can find out. All right, we'll be back in a little bit. Looking for true love. Not everything labeled love is actually love. It's time for a devotional by some people with some grit. And again, this is done by people who live in the country and turn old water heaters into rockets using tannerite. I like deep and rigorous content, so let's talk a little bit more in depth about what true love actually is, because it's oftentimes branded as things which may or may not be compassionate. A lot of times there may be some ulterior agendas behind things which are labeled as love, and sometimes things that are more erotic and even romantic get manipulated into love, and even though they're not true love, they become something, well, much lesser. So let's talk about this and look at a few things from the book of Judges. We're going to talk about Samson today. And Samson actually has a couple of women in his life. A lot of times people think of Samson and Delilah, but Samson's wife was actually a Philistine, and we never know her name. But before we go much further, Anthony, would you read out of Judges chapter 14? And Samson's wife wept over him
1: and said, You only hate me. You do not love me. You have put a riddle to my
0: people, and you have not told me what it is. So what we find happening in this situation is... Samson's wife, she says, you only hate me, you don't love me, and she's actually more correct than she realizes it. However, she's not saying this out of the best intentions. You see, Samson and his wife, that happens there in Judges 14, they come together under what is really lustful circumstances, and we don't really have much evidence of the two of them loving one another. And in the midst of this, she is trying to manipulate Samson into giving her the answer of a riddle. When Samson gets married, he puts a riddle on his wife's people, and one that will cause them quite a bit of damage if they can't get the answer to it. And in the end, if they do get the answer to it, well, there's also going to be a lot of damage. All of this is branded as love. There are statements made in the name of love, but none of them actually are. Again, just because something is branded as love doesn't actually mean it is. But we find something similar to Samson and his wife's interaction in Judges chapter 16, when he is now with the more famous Delilah. Anthony, would you read from Judges 16? And she said to him, how can, I, how
1: can you say, I love you, when your heart is not with me? You've mocked me these three times, and you've not told me where your great strength lies.
0: In both of these cases, people are making the claim, You do not love me if you do not do a certain act. There are many people in our world who would try to manipulate us, They will say something to this effect. If you do not love me, then you will do something in disagreement with me. If you do love me, you will agree with everything I say. This is a trap, and we should not fall for it. If someone tells you that they are in disagreement with you, and therefore you you must hate them, do not fall for it. What they want is not love, but instead some form of fake love. These ladies, they clearly want control. Sometimes people want other things. But there are many things people want when they demand love that are not actually love. They're not true love. They are not Christ-like love. So instead of worrying about the things people demand of us, we should actually worry about loving people. Sometimes this means disagreeing with people because we love them and we do not want to enable unhealthy behavior. If we actually love people and we are in pursuit of Christ-likeness, then we do not have to worry about the judgment of the world. Instead, we should spend our time pursuing the true love of Christ, which reorients our worldview. Instead of being focused on the things here just of this earth, we look to the morals and the virtues which come from Christ so that we can manifest them in our lives and bring transformation to those around us. Now we're going to play a game of Hot, Not, or Sanctified where we determine whether or not certain items are positive theological inspirations. And our list for today is going to include everything from a cat and a croc, the blind man's statement I was blind and now I see, and some interesting pictures online as well as some other biblical themes. Now how this game works, and you can send us your comments about whether you think things are positive theological statements or not, is if we say that something is hot, we are affirming that it is, in fact, a positive theological inspiration or role model for us. If we say that something is not, then we are definitively saying that this is not a positive theological inspiration and nor is it a positive role model for us to follow it. It doesn't do anything for us. If we use the term sanctified, we are not saying that this is actually holy. We are saying that only God's sanctified judgment can rule whether or not this is a positive theological inspiration or not. So, with that being said, send us your comments, I'll give an overview of the item, and then we'll go around the Chord Purgatory studio here and determine what these are. So, first up in our list today is Samson's parents and an angel in Judges 13. Before Samson is born, his parents do not have any children at all, and his mother is known to be barren. However, an angel of the Lord comes to them and tells her that she's going to have a child and that he's going to be special. This is a theme we see throughout the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. And let's see now what happens. So I'm going to read this one. This one's a bit wordy. The others will not be. So if you bear through this one, they will get a little bit more enjoyable. So Judges 13 verse 15 reads as follows. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, If you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. Let's just take a pause real quick before reading verse 17. This angel has just told Manoah and his wife that they're going to have a child. Manoah, who is Samson's father, comes to the picture and says, let me make a birth offering to you. But the angel says, if you're going to make a burnt offering, make it to the Lord. Let's pick back up in verse 17. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that when your words come true, we may honor you? The angel of the Lord said to him, Why do you ask my name, seeing that it is wonderful? So Manoah took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, We shall surely die, for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, If the Lord had meant to kill us, he would have not accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands, or shown us all of these things, or are now announced to us such things as these. Alright, what do we think about this? Positive theological inspiration or not? Manoah and his wife's response. First they want to make a burnt offering to God and then they find out that this is just an angel, but then things take a little bit different turn at the end. Manoah says, we're going to die because we've seen God, and his wife says, no, if God wanted to kill us, he wouldn't have showed us these wonderful things. All right, what do we think? We'll start with you, Pastor Mike. Well, I think, well, I struggled
2: with uh, between not and and hot and sanctified, but I lean a little more towards not uh, opposed to not because, uh, or rather hot, because I think... if, if there's some type of—are are they truly worshiping God, or is it some form of idolatry? Do they know this is from the God that the Yahweh that we would call? So I think as I listen and read, I'm just going to have to place this one in the sanctified category for me. All right, so uh, just for clarification, earlier you were saying you were leaning towards not? Yes. Okay. As opposed to not, a hot, rather,
0: but I ended up putting it in sanctified. All right. Again, the wording gets a little confusing in that. You're leaning towards not, but you're saying sanctified. Correct. All right, Anthony, what do you think about this?
1: I would say hot. And I don't know exactly how to articulate why, but they do seem to be heading in the right direction.
0: All right, and I want to expand a little bit because Anthony is in the same line of logic that I am. I'm saying hot to this, and the reason why is even in the beginning, we see them wanting to make a sacrifice not to God, but to an angel. So there's some clear issues there. Even after they, they come to the point where the sacrifice is made, they see the angel go up in the flame. The father says, we're going to die because we've seen God. You know, they've actually just seen an angel go up in the flame. There's some confusion, it seems, with the father on whether the angel is God or not. And there's some issues there that you can talk about, issues of idolatry. But the mother comes in and says "If the Lord, and again, she's using Lord, all capitals. She's using the, the name of God reference here. Yeah. If, if he had actually wanted to kill us, then he wouldn't have showed us these wonderful things. So I'm going to say hot because there is some issues at first, which, again, we can all relate to. We all have issues in life. Sometimes we, we worship things which really aren't God. Sometimes we think we're worshiping God, but we're, we may just really like a particular preacher. We may like a particular style of church. We really may like a style of worship or something like that. And we say, oh, they do church different from us, therefore they must be wrong or something like that. Sometimes we get hung up in the wrong thing and we think things are taking us to God when we're hung up in the wrong item. And then at the other time, there is transformation out of that. Sometimes people move away from that towards something better. And the fact that they move away from that, or at least the mother does, towards something better, I'm going to say hot, because we've all been there where we do things wrong, and then we move to a better place, and I think that's a good inspiration. All right, for our next item, we are going to look at a jaguar versus a crocodile. So a cat versus a croc. and we've got a video for this, and Anthony's going to play that here in a second, and you may ask, who would win in this? So for those of you listening to the podcast, we do have a video, and Anthony's going to to start playing that. But I'll see if I can not add a little bit of narration to that as we go. Well, actually, in fact, I'll let Anthony narrate it.
1: So that jaguar just snuck out of the water and pounced on, of all things, a crocodile. And here's a slow-mo for you again, for those of you who are
0: listening. So basically, there's a jaguar, and the, the water's shallow here, so it's not like the cat is having to swim to go take on a crocodile. There's a jaguar going along the bank and there's a crocodile sitting out there kind of unsuspecting of what his fate is about to be. And this cat slips up behind him and bites right towards the back of his skull and picks up this crocodile and hauls it off. It's absolutely amazing.
1: Well, the worst part of it, well, not the worst part, but additionally, not only does the cat come out of the water for a crocodile, but drags the dead crocodile or dying crocodile into the water. It's totally backwards.
0: Yeah, it is not what you would expect. But here we get two apex predators really um, against one another. Uh, one of them really doesn't expect it's coming, so he didn't really get a chance to put up much of a fight. But again, that's the, the jaguar sort of style of thing. We look at creation. We look at the many wonders and, and sometimes wonderful, sometimes awful, sometimes awesome things in creation. What do we think about this? How does this make us feel? Hot, not or sanctified? Dad? Well, I, I'm going to go with uh,
2: hot. I, I am just uh, amazed at the size of this crocodile. It's not, it's not no small croc, and neither is the jaguar. But it, at the same time, I, I would have just never realized that a, a jaguar could overtake a crocodile this size. And, and uh, you know, they are both apex predators, and, um, you know, that's just the way nature works. And, and so I'm just going to place it in hot. And that gives us direction to realize that there is an order.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anthony, hot not a sanctified. Just to um, kind of play
1: devil's advocate here, I'm going to go with the old school Jewish form of holiness that says that if it has skin and lives underwater, it's <laughs> unclean. Or if it has mixed cloth, it's unclean. And I'm going to say that something that belongs on land sneaking out of the water to attack something that belongs in the water that's on land, this whole scenario, I'm going to call it unclean, not hot.
0: Not hot. Not. Yeah, you can't say not hot. That just confuses the the yeah, audience there. So just <laughs> not. We'll say that. Um, but, yes, I do appreciate that stance you're taking there, Anthony. And I'm going to go ahead and say hot. I think it's awesome. Um, it's amazing. We'll leave it there. Uh, the next item we have for today is also a quick scripture reading, but it's not as long as before, but is the blind man's statement in the Gospel of John chapter 9 where there's a man, Jesus comes to him, he takes and spits in mud, he rubs it in the man's eyes, and he receives his sight. It's a blind man who gets healed. Well, there's basically a rather vicious inquisition that is brought by some of the religious leaders, there in the Jewish community, and they want to have evidence against Jesus saying that he's a sinner. He's done this on the Sabbath. Jesus is this terrible man. They want to bring him down. And they ask the blind man whether or not Jesus is a sinner and how all this could happen. And in John nine twenty five, the blind man answers, whether or not he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that though I was blind, now I see. What do we think about this? Hot, not, or sanctified? Hot. I mean, if, even if you look at the
2: whole context of the story, I think the the uh, there's more than just having sight, but there is also having courage. And he's facing uh, great opposition. He's facing uh, those who feel like their authority's threatened, and they're after Jesus. And he's he's got courage. He's not just got sight, but he's got courage. I go with uh, hot. All right, Anthony.
1: Um, Well, I'm kind of cheating because we have talked about this on the show before, but I'm going, I would have said hot anyways, but it's especially hot once you consider just how profound his answer really is.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the things that I really think for sure is there's degrees of of hotness that things can have. This one is pretty high up there because you wouldn't expect a blind man to be very articulate and he has this amazing answer. The one only qualm I have with it, which isn't really a qualm, is he he doesn't definitively say, no, he's not a sinner. In this statement, though, he says, you know, things which are, are good come from God. Um, it's an amazingly hot statement, though, for someone to say such a boss answer to the question and now say, here's the evidence. You want evidence that he's a sinner? I can't provide you with that. I can't provide you with evidence that he's not a sinner. He says, just basically, I'm not going to deal with that one again, which, again, I can respect it. You're not going to win that game playing it. So... It's definitely a hot answer to say that whether or not he's a sinner, I do not know. And then he follows that up with saying, one thing I do know is, though I was blind, now I see. So it's an amazingly articulate statement. Well, we're going to move on to our final two items today, and both of them are pictures. And they are from Tumblr blog, Bible Illustrated. And we have spent quite a bit of time around the character Samson in the book of Judges. And even if you are not watching the podcast, you can still enjoy this, uh, because There are such entertaining stories. Uh, So in the book of Judges, Samson grabs a donkey's jawbone and kills a lot of Philistines. Um, And we've got an illustration of that. So what do y'all think about this whole scenario, using a donkey's jawbone to slaughter your enemies? Of course, he doesn't look quite like Conan the Barbarian in this. He looks a bit more like people would depict maybe Moses or... Noah or Abraham or something like that. This isn't this typical artwork you get depicting Samson. Looks more like Jerry the King Lawler, yeah, the something. Yeah, he does look a lot like a wrestler. He almost has like a basketball jersey on, too. It's kind of weird. But anyways, Samson, you know, he deals with his problems a little bit like Conan the Barbarian does. But is good in life to see your uh, enemies driven before you the lamentation of their women. Um, not quite like that, but his says, "What is good in life to see your enemy slain with a jawbone of a donkey?" What do y'all think, Pastor Mike? Hot, not a sanctified? Not, not. I'm gonna go with not. You, you know,
2: if being, he's not. You know, it's against Jewish law to be touching the 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 bone of a, a jawbone. So, uh, not only that, they're just. Uh, First of all, the, these images that you've shown here look like uh, things to color. Um, I'm just going to go with not. Not.
0: Anthony.
1: I probably share a little bit more with Mike on this one than I have previously. But um, I'm going to have to go with sanctified because there may be room for some sort of uh, theological progress here.
0: Mm. When I come to this, you know, it's I feel like it is the, the cheap cop out to say sanctified. I like to be definitive. The artwork itself Not the best. It, it's it's not the most stimulating depiction of this. I'll say that. And there's some inconsistencies in the art style even within this piece. So I'm tempted to say not, but then I realize what they had to work with to start with. I I'm gonna say hot because there had a bizarre and disjointed story to work with. And they produced some artwork, which was equally bizarre and disjointed. So if you look at it through that line of logic, I can see that this is sort of inspiring. They tried to make something out of that, but I don't know. We'll, We'll move on along from that one. All right. So the next piece of art that we have here is Samson with the pillars. So in the end of the story of Samson, he's had his eyes gouged out. Unfortunately, it's not terribly friendly family, but it's the truth. Samson's eyes are out, and he's been made a mockery before the Philistines, and they bring him in to entertain them, and he asks the servant to put him next to the pillars, and he then prays to God to hear him one more time and give him the strength to bring down this whole building and kill himself along with all these other people. The strength returns to Samson. He pulls down the pillars and Uh, thus is the end of Samson and the lords of the Philistines and all those who were there so what do we think about that scenario hot not or sanctified I go with hot you go with hot? I go with hot all the way all the way Anthony
1: as far as this scenario goes um, definitely a hot final moment but as far as the picture goes for color pencil I'll go ahead and put hot on that
0: All right, I'm going to do something which is just so uncanny because, again, this is a a game where we are supposed to show our integrity by keeping with certain answers. I'm going to go back and change my last answer to not because even when we're given something disjointed, we should strive for something better. Again, we've been talking about humility and we should elevate ourselves. The last picture really does not. However, this piece of art I am going to give hot. And one of the reasons why is they depict what looks like Samson pulling these down. And this is a much better, much more stimulating piece of art. The design logic is consistent. And they're also are pretty creative in the fact that what looks like flames in the background has elements of human shapes to them, which looks like people crying out in terror. So they actually did something creative with what looks like flames and the general chaos. But it's subtle and it doesn't distract or take away from the main theme. Now, whether or not they meant for it to look like there are faces in the flames or not, I don't know. Um, but It does it,
1: actually look like that.
0: Yeah, the fact that it looks like flames with faces with their arms up in the air around that, I will say hot to that because it does an accurate depiction of that scenario. Something that I thought was cool, too, is
1: that the flames are white, whereas what's not on fire as far as the background goes is red. Yeah, and that's pretty interesting
0: that is interesting too Yeah, the fire colors are not in the fire the fire colors are around the fire and the fire is just there in absence of anything so it's quite bizarre anyways that will end our game of Hot and Sanctified. please add in the comment section your thoughts on these Church History Dog is at the bullpen but do you remember when Church History Dog talked to Angela Marici? Let's go back to that conversation. Dog must ask, why did you build institutions yourself and not just vote the right people into office to do your virtuous work for you? Wouldn't that have been easier, Angela Marici?
2: No, even
1: though being involved in what's going on around us is important, our responsibilities do not just start and stop with electing political leadership. We must endeavor in everything we do to help others. You know, I remember when I looked around at the poor and impoverished children around me. I didn't wait to elect somebody. I didn't wait for someone else to do anything. I started a place for them to come and to be educated.
2: Well then, Angela Morici,
0: would you say that salvation does then not come from the government?
1: No, of course not.
0: No, no, ladies and gentlemen. Salvation does not come from the government. Remember to Find Kingdom of the Logos on YouTube. Click subscribe and hit the bell. Alright, thank you for joining us today. Our podcast has covered a wide range of things, but hopefully it was entertaining and also educational to some extent, and it stimulates you to pursue greater heights. Again, back to our earlier theme of humility. Humility should not be something that hinders you, but instead it should be a recognition of your actual place in creation. Humility should be something which stimulates you and encourages you to go out and to learn and do more, to discover more things in the earth. We should never be content and say, oh, there's nothing more we could learn. There could never be another sphinx out there. There could never be something as bizarre as a alligator, excuse me, a crocodile being taken away by a jaguar. There are many things out in the world that are quite bizarre and wonderful. We should always have a healthy understanding of humility. Furthermore, we should also have a healthy understanding of the doubt. It always bothers me. I see so many people in our world, whether they be activists or people who have some sort of persuasion where there is no doubt, that's very destructive. That takes us to places where we're stealing sharks using child strollers, and that's never a good scenario. However, if we have a healthy role of doubt and a healthy place of humility, we can pursue Christ's likeness and the transformation in the world around us. Again, I'm Jay Dylan Proctor. You can find me live in person at Jolton Church of the Nazarene. And you can join some of our other Nazarene churches. Here in the Nashville area, Pastor Amanda, who's typically here hosting with me, she's at Trinity Church of the Nazarene. And please come join us. Come visit us. And we hope that you liked our content. If you'd like to support us, please just share our content to your page. Share it with people you know. Grab a link. Send it to your friends and family. That'll help us out tremendously. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, you can go to patreoncom Logos and donate there. Again, we do have the audio and video versions of our podcast. The videos are up on Facebook at Facebook.com/KingdomTheLogos and also on YouTube. If you go to SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, a couple of other places, iHeartRadio, you can get our podcast and download it for free and take it with you wherever. And with that, have a blessed day.